Hey guys, it's Michelle Collins. Welcome to the Michelle Collins Show. It's my show and I'm thrilled you're here. We're going to be bringing you episodes every single week with different co-hosts, the same usual nonsense, off-the-cuff humor, news, advice, pop culture. I know it's a novel concept for a podcast, but what can I say? I'm an innovator. That's what I do. You'll be getting episodes every week, but if you want to hear daily episodes, you can head over to my Patreon. That's www.patreon.com slash Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I have co-hosts every single day. It's funny. It's loose. It's authentic. I do weekly episodes with my mother. If you're curious as to how someone is made this way, I highly recommend tuning into those and some video content as well, which is exciting. I'm off to contour, but I want you to enjoy this episode. It's fabulous. We adore you and we look forward to seeing you over on the Patreon. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. a very unusual midnight snack. Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Collins, and my hair is up in a bun. That hasn't happened for a long time. Normally, wouldn't even be newsworthy. Wouldn't even be worth me bringing it up, <laughs> if not for the fact that my head right now is carved from, like, Aztecian granite. <laughs> like, I just look crazy. <laughs> I've never... Look at this, Dan. My This is two months of genuinely... And I have a food story waiting for you, but this is two months of nothing but pasta... <laughs> Some pizza, not even the pizza wasn't even it. It was pasta, unlimited yeah. fucking cheese. I must have eaten at least three to four suckling pigs. If we're going to go whole, like <laughs> three to four, let's call it four suckling pigs, no apples. And I mean, a half bottle of wine a day. And that's, that's me What's trying, wait, wait, that's me trying to be like, I don't have a problem. I haven't had wine in like five days. So I'm cleansing. <laughs> Hi Dan, what were you like, going to Hold ask? this apple. What is this? <laughs> 
hold the apples. What is this, a fruit? Get out of here. You know, that's an old joke where a rabbi was seen eating a whole suckling pig and his congregants walked by and he went, can you believe how they're serving apples these days with like a whole pig in front of them? One of my that's mother's funny. favorite old jokes. Anyway, I'm Michelle Collins. It's midnight snack. Um, it is evening time. I'm back in England. You may be able to tell by my general cheeriness. And what I mean by that is... Um, I realize that I cannot, it's probably why I hated LA, Dan Acton. Yeah. What I've discovered about myself is that I cannot live in a place that has good weather all the time. Um, my oh. body is not built for it. And I'll say mm. this, even having grown up in Miami, which to be fair, some people are like, oh, Miami has like the best weather. Miami weather is um, hot and sunny, but when it rains in Miami, it's not like a little London misty rain, you know, gorillas in the mist. It's like full Jumanji, just like right. biblical plague rain, you know? So <laughs> even growing up, we had rainy days and the kind of rainy days are my mother would come into my room like before school and would tell me, you don't have to go to school today, which was genuinely. <laughs> if it was raining? If it was a torrent, it's actually like as much abuse as my mother doled out to me my entire childhood. The one kindness, that's so mean. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. So she's a great mom. <laughs> one of the many millions of kindnesses she would bestow on me is if it was torrential, like Miami rain is torrential, like sheets of rain. Okay. She right. would, it was like genuinely the best feeling. And I wonder if maybe this is why I still like this. Like maybe I'm associating mm. it with like a childhood calmness almost. I'm, I'm having a breakthrough yeah. right now where she'd come through into my room at like, you know, 6 a.m. Because we had to be up so early and she'd go, Mish, you, don't, you can stay home today. And I would be like, fuck, yes. And so if it was pouring rain, I wouldn't have to go to school. And I feel like that's kind of me now where if it's not raining, I'm like, I got to get out. I can't waste this beautiful day. And yeah. in Italy for like two months, there were, I think there were two rainy freaking days. Like it was so, we had such wonderful weather. And now, of course, I'm in shitty, pale, wrinkled London, which you know I love and I thrive in. And even with the weight that I gained in Italy, I'm still like, still got it as I leave cement foot imprints in the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> As I literally crack the roads that are five to six hundred years old, I think I still got it in this town. But it is raining today. And so I woke up like I just had the best day. Like I woke up at nine. You know, it was raining. I just stayed in. I haven't left the room today. Like I just stayed in. I washed my hair. Yeah. I was too lazy to dry it. Cause like for what? For this? Sure. No offense. <laughs> So it's in a little bun. I did put makeup on, though. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here, Danny Acton. How are you? I'm great. I washed and dried my hair. Really? Um, Brag? Okay. Yeah. Shaming yeah. me. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, I know what you mean. It was like snow we had crazy weather this weekend. It was 50 on Saturday. And then Sunday, it like completely snowstormed in New York. Wow. And I didn't leave the house. It was awesome. It's I love good. Like, a day off like that. Me too. Yeah, it's really and it's, good. I tell you that I needed it. And I'll say something else. Like I haven't told anyone that I'm here for a few reasons. Number one, you know, when you come to a place so often that it's eventually like the fanfare, the trumpets have been put away. <laughs> you know what I right, mean? Like right, right. trumpets have <laughs> rusted over. Like people are like, oh, she's here uh, again. Like I'm here so much that yeah. the uh, novelty of me coming to London has, I think, and just maybe it's my own shit, but I'm guessing has worn <laughs> off for a lot of people. So I'm sort of, if right. you're listening to this and you live in London and you haven't heard from me and you want to see me reach out. Cause I'm like, I'm going to this time play hard to get and like, let people be like, Oh my God, let's get dinner. Okay. You know? Yeah. 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 
We'll see what happens. Incognito uh, stop in. in Yes. Incognito stop in. I'm in my favorite hotel. Um, I'm just, (laughs) honestly, I'm just excited to, I'm not even just saying this, like the idea of not having any alcohol for a week, my body is so, I'm like full Miranda Che mode right now. My body is so happy. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, like just not. You know, I just every day, my friend Dave, I have to tell you a few funny stories, one of which I know you'll fucking love. We thought of you, or at least I thought of you. He doesn't know you. So many times last week, Dan, (laughs) my friend Dave um, from Los Angeles, who I love, like, I love you. He, so don't get competitive. No. (laughs) Hey, Dan, just calm it down. I love you. Son of a... I'm so literally nuts that I even have to say that. Anyway, I adore Dave. So he flew from LA to Milan. It was his birthday last Monday. And it was really unexpected. He booked it like a week before. So it was really, oh fun. it was really nice. Honestly, you know, I kept telling you to come as well, but just having someone there. I love my friends who live in Italy. Genuinely. I have some, I made some new friends. Like I have a really good group happening right now there. So I feel great. But, you know, you can't be like someone you've known for, you know, 10 years who you can just die laughing with. And that's Dave for me. Like, I love him. So he came. We had an amazing time. Um, But he knows how to ski and snowboard, which I, someone who values living, I don't know how to do those (laughs) things. Someone who just like appreciates breathing. (laughs) I've never done those things. (laughs) And I don't know if this is, I've never snapped my foot into a boot. There's you. I've never put my foot in a boot and heard it snap ever. <laughs> not even like a bicycle clip. Ooh, that's not a boot. That's more that? of a shoe. I'm going to just, uh, okay, if we're right. going there, right. but even that maybe three times, like really, <laughs> Okay. you know, do you want to know, can I, can I admit to something that I've never admitted to publicly when I, Oh God, I already feel like this is a huge mistake, but I'll just say it. <laughs> Wait, what? I've never gone to like soul cycle classes ever. Like I don't enjoy spinning because the seat, my ass and the seat don't mix. Like it's not a good. Yeah, yeah. Well, that but that's for everybody. Like the first few times, it's oh, terrible, horrible. It hurts. But yeah. my neighbors so uh, became my pod basically during COVID. Like yeah. we stopped going to work. I think Thursday was our last day of work. I want to say. Yeah. And I will. And Saturday morning. The last thing I did, I've always told people that Friday was the day that I locked down, but that was a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. I'm going to fess up. I'm going to say it. Safe space. Yeah. Well, <sighs> Friday was not the last day that I went outside. The last day I went outside was Saturday morning. I went with the girls to a soul cycle class. And I remember, <laughs> and it's just so funny because I genuinely hate cycling classes like it's not like something I enjoy doing but they were like we'll work out and you know me anytime this is the thing I think I'd be skinny if I had like one friend who was always like let's work out but I don't have that person so when they said it I was like yeah great let's go but I was like a bit like this can't ever leave this building like I don't want anyone right. to know that we're doing this because at that point like I had already gotten and probably given COVID to half of Wayne New Jersey where my Costco is so you know I and as far as I know, I didn't have it, but um, I did go to. It's also cycle. like a miasma of like miasma. sweat and shouting oh. or something. Miasma, it's a plasma. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? It's my firstborn's name, <laughs> Miasma Collins. Yeah, that's right. No, I went, and honestly, the entire time I was like, "This is really dumb." Like I was just like, "This is so dumb. I don't well, even like this." And it was a locked yeah. room. There was, but there were, it was not a full room. It was me and my two neighbors and then maybe five or six other people. And to be fair, the entire time I thought if we're all giving it and getting it, 
We all deserve yeah. it. Like this is like a room of people yeah. who wants to die. Actually, right before right before the lockdown, I was like, well, I'll go to the gym one more time because we didn't know or whatever. Yeah. And I had to take the bus and it was <sighs> the most crowded <sighs> standing room only bus I've ever been on in New York. And even thinking about it, I was like, well, I wonder what's going to happen. Maybe I'll just like hold my breath sort of and take like a breath every once in a while. Like you didn't know. So I think, uh, I mean, that was the thing like we knew because we'd obviously knew a little bit like we knew that work was closing down. I knew that my office was closed, That's true. but I was like, well, how that could be. (laughs) And we got there and then, and then we walked home and genuinely though, now it's out. That was the last time I left. (laughs) Why did I even need to say that? Because that was the last time I clipped my foot into something. See, you fucked me over with that foot clipping. I knew this was going to fuck me over somehow. Damn it. Um, Anyway, so that's the truth, okay? And guess what? It didn't have an effect on my physicality at all. <laughs> so everybody loses. But wait, it's I wanted about to... about your soul. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to tell you, though. So Dave was like, oh, let's go. He was going to go to this ski town called Cormayeur, which is right on the French border near, I think you say Chamonix. It's like some French ski town. Spelled okay. Chamonix or Chamonix if you're... Okay. I will say anyway, <laughs> Dan's eyebrows just touched in the middle. I feel uncomfy. <laughs> so we drive there. It's like a three hour drive. Dave rented a BMW, which, you know, I always shit wow. on BMW drivers because they're notoriously the most selfish drivers on the road. I would say worse than Mercedes, Audis. When I lived in LA, if you saw a white Beamer coming toward you, it was driven by the Grim Reaper. Like they were just, they don't give a fuck about life. They're like, same in Miami. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> But he got a big black SUV, and I have to say, by the end of it, I was like, I'm a, I could see myself owning a BMW. I was like, this is so <laughs> nice. Like, they're so fancy that it's nice. I can't even lie. Sponsor me. Um, but so we go to the ski town. He went skiing one day. We went to this restaurant. I have two stories I'm dying to share with you. So one is we went to this restaurant. Um, I forget the name, but it was ranked as like one of the best restaurants in this uh, Cormayor. By the way, we stayed in such a beautiful hotel. You know, as a Jew, I'm not comfortable in ski towns necessarily because it does feel like, the. you know, he's rolling his eyes, people, but I, there is another no, Jewish not, I'm, listener I'm, I'm, out I'm, there who gets it. I'm not, roll, I'm not rolling my eyes. I'm like looking, I'm imagining what the reason is. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's just because of like it's how I little... was brought up, but it just feels like a little waspy. Like skiing to me feels okay. like a sport. I've never heard of like a Herb Meyerowitz Olympic ski champion. You know what I mean? It's always these like Aryan right. looking. Look, even, the, you know, I don't know. It just seems like kind of racist sport. I'm just going to say it. I mean, that's just my vibe. <laughs> you really don't see a lot of black people or minorities skiing and snowboarding. That's just real. But listen, I'm telling you, I just, it's not in my blood. That's all there is to it. I've never skied. All right. Honestly, I want to try it. But it only it has to be when I'm like truly suicidal, where if something <laughs> happens to me, I'm like, well, that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's time. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we'll see. But I went. Oh, so we go to this restaurant and we open the menu. It's packed full of people. Um, Italy is very strict with COVID rules, which even if it doesn't fully work, I appreciate that there's some sort of semblance of humanity there. There's yeah. constant mask wearing, uh, green pass checking, vaccine card checking. It's like a real... It just feels like something. Whereas here in England, they're like wheeling you into the morgue. They don't give a fuck. They're like, bye. <laughs> so we go inside. We hit the, we get a great table. First, the guy was, I already fucked the story up. Wait, Sam, can, let me start it from here. We go inside. There's like this 97-year-old restaurant owner. And Dave was like, I'll have reservation for two. And he goes, uh, I'm like, 
I don't see anything, you know, the Italian, so annoying. <laughs> and Dave was like, well, here's the email. And he's being very fussy, this old man, like, I'm not going to be able to see you because he doesn't have us on the list. And Dave was like, look, here's the email. Like it says it. And the guy went, I yeah. see, follow me. And then took us to the best <laughs> table. I was like, <laughs> like perfect people watching table. We could see everybody. Okay. I was like, okay, this really worked out. Cause you know, I love a good table more so than the food, but we opened the menu and they have a tasting menu. It's 50 mm. euros. It's Oh, that's so cheap. I, okay. This yeah. is this is it. It's so fucking cheap. Yeah. You're yeah. going you're going to love this. So, I look at the tasting menu and it's like I think four courses and I go, "Dave, we're not going to beat this because it was not a cheap restaurant necessarily." I go, "50 euros and it was you could pick between one or another thing." I said, "Why don't we just each get one of the things? This way it's like we have a full oh, perfect. tasting." Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm always leave it to me. I'm always hacking the system. I can't ski, but I can hack a menu, people. <laughs> Never forget it. So they bring out the first course. And it had said, you know, one of the things I was excited about was this um, ham and cheese crepe. Because that is like, mm. what's better than that, really? Yeah. So they come out of the kitchen with the first course. He gets like cold cuts and some cheese. Uh, and I got, I didn't even know, it was like a potato flan. It made no sense. It was a plate of melted cheese with a little potato disc in the middle. But the whole thing was cheese. And some okay. bread. Now, I should mention, Dave is lactose intolerant. And every time I would look over at him, he brings his little lactate pills. But I guess he has to take one per course. Like, I don't know how it works exactly, but he didn't want to make a big deal out of it. So every time I would look over, he would just be, you know, when you feed a horse a carrot and their lips, their <laughs> lips take it in, like they don't bite into it, like their lips sort of feed it in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was him with these, like, just constantly gumming this lactate. So he takes it. We have some of the things. It's it's fine. It was very cheesy. And I'm like, all right, that was a lot. But like, let's wait. They bring out the next course. They bring him a risotto. Literally, you can't even see the little beads in it. It's all cheese. And then mine, the ham and cheese crepe, comes in a skillet baked in cheese. Like there's no crepe in it. It's just two <laughs> bowls of cheese. And by the way, the portions normally in a tasting menu from where, from where I come from, you taste the things. It's like little... Right, they're smaller than yeah, like a huge entree or whatever. Exactly. I actually figured for 50 euros they'd be tiny. Yeah. We're like, how are we going to – I mean, nothing I own fits as it is. Like, how am I going to work my way through this fucking meal? And at that point, we could barely eat any of it. And we had a very cute, like, skinny, hot waiter who was like – every time he would walk over, he'd see what we ate, which was really not that much. And he'd go, I know – no, <laughs> oh no, what is uh, you don't like it? And we were like, no, we loved it, it was so delicious. We just physically, we cannot take this much in, you know what I mean? And he was like, oh, so he took that course. Now comes the next course, which I didn't even look at the menu at this point. I'm like, I don't know what the hell is on here. Dave got, it was really bad. It was like some kind of, um, almost like an Italian goulash stew, but it had five spice in it. Admittedly, it was not that cheesy, Ooh. but I don't like five spice. Everything tastes like Christmas oh, ornaments yeah. to me. Ugh, not for me. Mm, okay. All right. Me, they bring up four thick with two C slices of some fatty sausage, <laughs> one potato, and the whole thing covered in cheese. I actually feel sick talking about it. I was like, this... <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to eat this. So I did what people who have eating disorders do, which is that I cut it up and then I just moved everything around the plate to make it look like, oh no, I had to. Be, oh no. What? Uh, what is why? this? Uh, why? Uh, no, why? Uh. <laughs> and that when he came over, I mean, it's not a great story, but it was, we were sick to our, our stomachs. And the thing that sucked is that the next day Dave went snowboarding all day, burned that shit off. I literally got more cheese. It was like, I couldn't. <laughs> 
That's why I look like this. Like, it's fine. But the last <laughs> you night. You look great, by the no, way. You look happy and I am whatever. happy. Yeah. I'm a good man. Yeah. So wait. So the last day, Dave decides to book a spa for us called the QC Thermal Spa. And uh, I, you know, I don't book anything. Like, this is why I actually think I'm a pleasure to travel with when you're... <laughs> Dan, hello. He signed out. When you, um, <laughs> when you're someone who likes to schedule things, like if you like to make reservations and you like to book tickets and things right. like that, honestly, I think I'm a treat because I don't do any of that shit. So like book, book it away. I mean, I have no say in the game, whatever you want to do. I'm just happy to be here. Like, and that's real. I sure. don't look at restaurant yeah. reviews. I don't give a shit. So he books us the spa. It's like nah, 40 euros, nothing crazy. We drive there. It's very beautiful. It's the dead of night. It's called A Night Under the Stars. That's the name of our ticket. Okay. So we get there. And I should mention, I don't think, obviously, he would mind me saying this on the show. Dave is gay. Big shock. So um, we got, no, because it plays into the story. So we get there. And, oh, the other thing was I didn't bring a bathing suit because I didn't realize that, like, we were going to be doing things like this. So I had to go in this miniature ski town full of the skinniest people I've ever seen and buy myself a one-piece bathing suit. I found it. It was expensive. This black, I didn't even bring it with me. I left it in the fucking town. (laughs) This black one-piece that half of it was living inside of me. Like it was so small (laughs) on me that when I tell you that my ass, I don't even know where to begin. Like, you know, when you see a woman's ass in a thong and it just like looks big, this was all back and all ass. Like the middle of the bathing suit started like in the middle of my back. It was so small. I couldn't, so small that I, like there was no such thing as picking this wedgie. This wedgie was merged into my soul. Like it was just a part of my ass crack at this point. And that's what it was, you know, and I had to live with it. So we go inside and it's very cool. Like they have these, it's freezing out. We get a robe. They have these outdoor pools. They're all steaming because they're all hot. So we go in the first one and, and it's mountains surrounded by the Alps. I mean, it's beautiful, but you can't really see these mountains, but still we get inside and I'm like looking around, you know, checking out who's there, whatever. And it is all couples. But when I say all couples, I don't mean like just whatever. Like it was like pre Valentine's day, we going to fuck tonight couples. Like everybody was there to get like horny before going home together. And I was like, okay, like this is fine, whatever. And so we're sitting there and then he's like, Oh, let's go to another pool. Cause there are all these different pools. So we kept going. And then all we were doing was basically commenting on like the hot guys together, which I'm like, <laughs> like we were like, wow. Cause some of them were, I mean, just these Italian morons. Like they're so stupid. I mean, just <laughs> the dumbest, hottest Neanderthal people <laughs> in Italy. Just perfecta. <laughs> yeah. You would be, I mean, Dave was like, guys over the friggin' moon. So hold on. So, he leaves me at one point and I'm in like the room, the romance pool. I don't realize this at the time, but it's the pool that has like a survivor torch in the middle of it. And it's very small. And I just looked around and every <laughs> single woman in that pool, there were like four of them were straddling. We're basically fucking their boyfriends in the pool, <laughs> making out. I'm there alone. And Dave and I were laughing because we didn't know that we were going to like the romance spot. Like we just were like, Oh, this will be a fun spot night, you know? Right, right, right. And like, <laughs> the idea of like him leaving the pool and all these women coming up to me like, um, uh, we didn't want to say anything, uh, but uh, your boyfriend keeps looking at all of the dicks. <laughs> like, uh, like them. No. No, but I'm saying like them like, <laughs> alerting me like, oh, does she know? Like, meanwhile, my baby, they're oh, like, does she know that he's... <laughs> you know we just had this fantasy of the women being like okay but it's enough uh enough you look enough 
You are, your <laughs> wife is there. Her ass is out totally. Uh, look at her, you know? So that was our little Look laugh. how small her suit is. <laughs> her teeth are basically outside of the suit. Her ass crack is big. You have her there. Look at her there. You know? I don't know why it's turning into well, there's, like... They're what? splashing around like showgirls or whatever. <laughs> Just like flailing. No, everybody was fucking. I was like, okay. Hey. And um, felt I felt more alone there like valentine's day actually was awesome for me but like being uh, like looking around that spa as much as i love dave i was like all right yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> check mate got it like thank you <laughs> so that was fun but i had a great time in italy i actually was really sad to leave um milan especially like i just i don't oh can i tell you one last story i know we have to go in a couple yeah. minutes the other story is that um oh this is so funny so Dave's friend sent him a list of places to go and this friend clearly is quite chic because it was like really beautiful restaurants and just cool stores and everything else. Mm. It really opened up a part of the city that I myself hadn't discovered on my own. So very grateful for that. But one of the places was this vintage shop. Um, I don't remember the name, but it they sold like super high-end designer vintage stuff. And Dave had actually texted me from there in the morning because he had tried these coats on and wanted, you know, his mom's opinion. That's me. So he said, okay, but tell me you like it or not. Uh, I don't know why I love this character. Anyway, send me some coats. So later I said, why don't I go with you and we'll look at it in person. Fine. So we go. Yeah. And uh, we walk in and I'm two. It was a men's store and then a women's store across the street from each other. So in the men's okay. side, these two women were working there. I'm fairly sure they were a couple, not 100%, but judging by what is to come. So we walk inside. Dave takes me to the coat. And uh, we go. And look, he looks great in it. And I noticed this rack of blazers. Actually, I take it back. Dave tried on this um, jacket that was tuxedo, a tuxedo jacket with tails. Like an old-fashioned, oh, cool. yeah. Right. And obviously he looked like Lady Gaga in it. I was like, no, you can't wear that. You know, take it off. <laughs> but I'm like, actually, like, I think on a woman, it's very sexy. Like that kind of a jacket with like skinny oh, yeah. pants and like a little shirt. So I start trying these jackets on and I find one that fits me like legitimately tailor-made for me. And it's a vintage Versace jacket. What? From 1987. Hold on. And... uh it has a tag in it and it says that this was from some concert in 1987 that this singer whose name sounds like Oral Jones Valeria. I mean, that's a loose love. <laughs> she's very, love she's very good. OJV. OJV. Oral Jones Valeria. I might be wrong, but it's something like that. That, that someone, well, what's, here's what's so funny about it. I thought maybe she wore it. So I'm looking at the price tag. It's 270 euro. It's like 300 bucks. I'm like, I can't fucking buy this. Like I'll you wear gotta... it. Oh, you think that's a good Wait, deal? No. Yeah, for well, for a tuxedo. Well, so you're going to For a tuxedo, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just the top, obviously. So oh, okay. we go downstairs, and Dave has his coat, and I have mine, and I go, Dave, at first I was like, you negotiate, because sometimes I get a little bit, as a woman, I get sometimes a bit um, stressed by that. Mm -hmm. And of course, the second we go down there, old G-wise, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> Let me take care of it. <laughs> two women are there. So I go up to the one who has like short hair and I'm like, hi, she's sitting and she looks to be like the cashier. The other one is standing and folding and her voice is like this. She was like, I'm there. She, she really had a deep <laughs> voice. 
And she seemed a bit mean. And then the one seater was very nice. So I go up and I'm like, hi, like, mm, we want to buy these. Like, what's the best price you can do? His was 230 mine 270 So she yeah. looks at his and she goes, hmm. And she's really inspecting it. It's like so, such a, it's such a performance, you know? And she's looking right. at it and she's like, mm, okay, um, this one I can do for it, 200 So 30 euros cheaper, fine. Okay. And Dave comes over like... Dave, who is a Polish non-Jew from the old country, comes over and says, um, we'll just do both for 450, which like makes no sense. And I and I look at him. Wait. It's mathematically, think about it. What? That's what I mean. And I look at him and I'm like, Dave. <laughs> what? I go, I'm like, Dave. I looked at him and went, You have to get out of here. Like he said later that I shot him a look. That it, he, he said, I'd never seen you look like that before in my life. Like, sh- it chilled me to my very core. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I was like, get the fuck out of here. So he left. Yeah, right. So then I'm like, look, what about we do both for 420? And I started to go, we're big potheads, which is obviously not true. About me. I was like, we love to smoke. I was like, 420, let's do it. And um, <laughs> and then Bad Cop with the gravel voice came over and yeah. was like, no, this piece is worth much more. Like, she was so... <laughs> mean and why I think that these two were maybe a couple was they got into such a fight over the price of this jacket they were literally bickering and then this other guy who was there they roped him in to figure percentages out all in Italian and Dave and I are like we have no clue what the hell is going on and I said look I said 420 and they go okay we'll do 420 and short hair was like yeah we'll do it and long hair was such a bitch about it. And I'm like, you know, wow. she goes, that's a really good price. Like, so rude. I'm like, can I just buy the fucking jacket? Like, yeah, right. you're getting, by the way, in Milan, that money, it's like twice as much as it is in New York. Like, that's a lot of money there, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I'm like, can you relax? You're getting, it's, the coat has a stain <laughs> on it. It was missing a button. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, yeah. What goes on at these concerts? What goes on at these? <laughs> so let's like, <laughs> or, Oral Jones. OJV. OJV. Crowd crowd surfing. (laughs) No, but here's the thing. And last thing I'll say is that she didn't even wear the jacket. It was worn by one of the members of the orchestra. What? Yeah. So I'm like, who Who gives a shit? Like way in the back? Way in the back. Some oboist. Mm. And I said, by the way, just so you know, I'm a performer, so I'll probably wear this on stage like I thought it would be chic. (laughs) When I thought it would be chic to like, so it's like, oh, pass on the tradition. They were like, "Uh uh-huh. That'll be 420. (laughs) I could not give a shit. I was like, all right. Anyway, so uh, that's it. So Dave Skeed, I negotiated our genetic (laughs) destinies led us to the places we were meant to be and that's pretty much my trip to italy danny boy i don't know what else any other questions that's amazing no i love that i, I can't wait to see the do you want to see it it's actually that's hanging great. i can show yeah. wait if you give me a minute yeah. i'll bring it over hold on all right i'm holding it i don't know if it's possible Ooh. to see it oh it looks good oh it looks it's, really good no it's nice there's a stain you see here yeah. look at that in well, the corner okay. it's not too yeah, bad but look at it. And oh, it's very Looney Tunes. It's very like Daffy Duck in the opening yeah, know, credits of is. Looney Tunes. Yeah, it's very. But also yeah. <laughs> missing a button there. So I got to. It's well, very like overture. Yeah. Curtain lights. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Acton, I absolutely adore you. Follow Dan at Dan underscore Acton. Our guest today, uh, who's already here. And I, I feel uh, humiliated that we went over time. But she's one of my all-time favorite actresses who finally is getting the moment that is her destiny, much like this jacket was mine, Martha (laughs) Kelly. Let's welcome Martha to the show. (music) 
gosh, I'm so excited that you're doing this. It's certainly been a long time coming, Ratha. How are you? I'm good. It's really good to see you. It's been a few years. I think we met at um, Moon Tower in Austin a few years That's ago. That's right. I came up to you like um, a crazed fan backstage. I was really, <laughs> I'm going to say something about you, Martha Kelly, that you were one of the few celebrities I've met or actors, celebrities, where I was genuinely nervous to <laughs> approach you. I was like, oh my God, it's Martha <laughs> from Baskets. You're, but you're the nicest person ever. That's really sweet. I was happy to meet you too. I you were so funny. I can't believe that you were uh, nervous about meeting me because you're so funny and That's uh, so nice. So I think uh, it's my height. Sometimes I think because I'm so tall. When I meet people who are shorter than me, I like when I met Barbara Walters a hundred years ago. I tiptoed toward her. I imagine in the way like the Grim Reaper approaches people like silently, like I was just like afraid to startle. So maybe with you, I was that way because you're quite petite. Like I didn't want to be too tall. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you are definitely not too tall. And you were, uh, it was really fun to see you at that show and to meet you. And it's thank you uh, for having me on today. Well, so. first, let me do a real host introduction. Uh, Martha Kelly. Probably my favorite Twitter follow, if you don't already follow her, at Martha Kelly 3 and on Instagram at MKellyATX, lives in Austin, Texas, which I want to get to. But Martha, you're, this moment that you're having now as Lori and Euphoria, what, first, when I saw you, I screamed alone, <laughs> as usual. I don't even have pets. Like, I just screamed. <laughs> you are somehow terrifying Gen Zers, and I'm curious as to what that power feels like knowing that you're um, frightening so many TikTokers? Well, um, I'm surprised by it. And um, yeah, I definitely knew that Lori was supposed to be scary, but I did not. I, I didn't know how people would react. And my niece and nephew are Gen Z, so I definitely don't want to scare people. <laughs> I don't want to scare people, but... Um, but that is what the character is supposed to be. So it's nice that, you know, all these young people are being so sweet online about it. And uh, you never know if people are going to, you never know how people are going to react, you know. And I think as a Gen X, there's also just a thing like, I don't know if young people, how they'll react. You know, there's always a generational thing of like, are teenagers going to hurt my feelings? Because that's what teenagers yeah. do, you know. <laughs> Wait, it's so funny you say that because I was saying earlier about how as well, I always talk about being bullied when I was little and it's all the teenagers really caused a lot of trauma, I think, for probably 80 percent of performers. Yeah. And then also, I remember hurting my parents feelings and other people's feelings as a teenager like you 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 have a change in consciousness to where you start understanding sarcasm and then you want to use it all the time because it's a new discovery and then you, but you don't really understand how people's feelings are affected for a while. So yeah, I'm always like uh, nervous about teens, but um, they've been really sweet. So I'm, I'm uh, trying not to look too much at social media. Yeah. For sure. But it's all been great. Yeah. Everything I'm seeing is I think the the overwhelming feeling is 
why is this woman so terrifying? Is what I would say the, and I feel like that's you. And I mean, this is a compliment <laughs> because you're so like, there's just something going on behind your eyes as this character where it really feels like <laughs> anything is genuinely possible because you're revealing kind of so little, you know what I mean? It's a very brilliant casting decision, I think. And you're amazing on it, obviously. Thanks, Michelle. I feel like Sam, I think he wrote that uh, with the intention of like the scariness of a of a mild mannered sociopath. Like I think she's definitely clearly she doesn't have a conscience or she wouldn't do the stuff she does. Like yeah. I know that um, that drugs are a big part of the show and it's I think implied that Lori does drugs and you see Rue doing kind of bad stuff because of her addiction, but you know, not everybody who's a drug addict um, does human trafficking or that is that violent, you know? That's a beautiful thing to say. Hey, just a reminder, <laughs> listeners, not everyone who's a drug dealer does human trafficking. I'm so sick of those accusations, Martha. It's like, it's enough already. You know, they're not all it's, traffickers. I mean, I've definitely known a lot of people who lived in that world. I I mostly stuck to pot and alcohol. Like, I never really got into harder drugs, but I certainly know a lot of people who did and. You know, you have to be a sociopath to do what Lori does, I think. It's not sure. just the drugs. Although, you know, drugs definitely don't help if you're that kind of person, you know. That's right. I'm trying to think if I've ever done the hard stuff. Here's my thing is I only have an addictive personality with food. So I'm it's that is is and that's not even I'm not trying to sound like a Kathy comic strip. It's really true. I had this conversation no, with know. my friend last week. Like, you know, I can like stop drinking. I stopped smoking. I'm not a good pot person. The minimal drugs that I've tried in my life. I thankfully have not caught on, but like if you put me within 50 feet of a Taco Bell, it's a problem for me. Like I'm going to go back again in disguise and order another crunch wrap. Like I can't, <laughs> my body doesn't know how to turn itself off with food. And so I can right. understand the addiction in a way. That's why I understand heroin because of, um, crunch wraps. <laughs> that's really, that's the thesis <laughs> statement here. Not even trying to be funny. Well, it's just true. Yeah. I, well, I also have that thing with food. So I'm definitely in, uh, yeah, I there's just my body chemistry reacts to certain kinds of foods with like the same way it did to alcohol, you know, and cigarettes. And so, yeah, it's all, I think the food stuff is harder than other stuff in some ways, just because like uh, most people don't understand that it's a real physiological issue. And then everyone in the world is like, what's the big deal? Why can't you have party food at a party and then go back to being normal? You know, yeah, that's not how it works. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah, I re I definitely relate to that. I love uh going back in disguise. That's definitely <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you remember? I feel like it was on maybe. I can't remember. This is terrible. If it was actual Kirstie Alley or Kirstie Alley as fat actresses, Kirstie Alley when she was, and I may be making this up altogether, but she'd be in a van and then would be like, "What do you guys in the back want?" Okay, two burgers, but there was no one in the car. She would just like be ordering for the whole van. <laughs> And I was like, yeah. well, 
I love that Kirstie. Have you ever met Kirstie Alley? I've never met her. I've never met her. Uh, no. no. It's interesting. Did you expect to be asked that question on the show? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's totally fine though. I'm happy to, I have met very few celebrities, so, but I'm happy to answer any that you're (laughs) the rest of the show. I have a tourist scroll, just people in the union. I'm like, now what about, um, Ted Danson? No, Martha, another thing. Well, going back to Euphoria for two seconds, and then I want to talk about you because I haven't even brought up your pets yet. And that for me is self-control. So, you know, this is how I'm being professional, not bringing Barry up yet. We're going to talk about it. But also performing with the Zendaya for me, what I think intimidate me to my core because she's so talented and also she's like scary talented. You know what I mean? Someone like that on that yeah. level. Um, but y'all have been in a couple things together. Are you guys like friends? Talk to us about Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I didn't meet Zendaya on Spider-Man Homecoming cause I wasn't in any scenes with her. Um, but I for sure was in nervous and intimidated on, um, euphoria. Um, but she was really nice. And the first The first episode that I worked on her, I mean, I worked on with her, um, I was really surprised and impressed at how she just acts like a regular. If you didn't know she was one of the most famous people in the world, you wouldn't, you just think, oh, that's somebody's kid home from college for the weekend. Like she doesn't act, she doesn't act like a celebrity, but uh, Regardless, her she is so talented and the show is so intense mm. and there's so many great gifted all the whole cast is so gifted that it's it, it is intimidating. That's part of why I was nervous about my episodes coming out cuz like are the fans going to be like why did you let this lady ruin our perfect show? Like I you never know until people see it how they're going to feel, you know? And people are ruthless having um, like, you know, in a completely different, I love that I'm going to compare myself to you on Euphoria right now. This is how you know that I need an actual psychiatrist (laughs) who I do have, but no, the times in my life where I've turned to Twitter or read my mentions, if I've been on camera, which hasn't happened in a long time, um, it's one of the most brutal things you can do to yourself. Like there's no worse feeling, especially but I'm going to say, I actually think the HBO audience, because they're like a self-selected audience, if you know what I mean, that they're going to be a little bit smarter than your yeah. average basic cable watcher is my thinking on it. I, I definitely think that um, it seems to me like Sam and Zendaya have interacted with their audience in a way that kind of cultivates like the good hearted Hmm. part of people. Cause like she, um, she had that statement right before the season started. That was this year. That was like about, I don't remember the wording exactly, but it was about like, this is an intense show. There's some really disturbing stuff. It's okay. If you don't watch it, like take Hmm. care of yourselves. And I think that, that they try to, um, was that Barry? Gary, Gary. It's, well, Gary. So Barry. Oh my There's God. Barry. I'm Martha, like Barry to me. And I'm going to say this. The only person more famous than you to me is, is Barry. <laughs> I love Barry He's, so much. 
He's pretty great. He's oh very sweet. He's it's funny because he he acts like a bully to all of us, but he actually is very sweet to me and Gary and Rosie. Mm. And that's why it's funny that sometimes he postures like a bully, but he's not really. I do feel like in some of the photos, his eyebrows are pointing this way. They're like a bit downward yeah. pointed, but he's, um. well, you know, I also love a fat animal, which we'll get to in a little bit. I do want to <laughs> ask you this. I'm trying to push the berry questions so that I can really go into the pet situation. Um, was your high school experience in any way, shape or form, anything like what we see on this show? Because I'm so curious as to what you were like when you were a teenager. Were you mellow always? Like, what was your childhood energy like? I think by high school, I was definitely guarded and inhibited. You know, um, I don't know. My high school was like weird. Um, I do. I, I believe I found out at the end of senior year that like all the popular kids who also tended to be rich had been doing cocaine (laughs) and I couldn't, I could not, I couldn't believe teenagers could afford a cocaine habit. Um, but was this, where did you go to high school? South Torrance high, uh, class of 86. Yeah. I was very surprised that I didn't hang out with the popular kids and I just thought, Everybody drank and smoked pot and some kids did acid, but like, I still don't understand how a teenager can afford cocaine. And, uh, they weren't like, I, 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 a lot of the kids in, in that crowd were not people I would ever want to see again. And I don't, I don't know if it's cause they were on cocaine or if they're, <laughs> Were they always Whatever. pitching ideas every time they see them now? They're like, Martha, I got a great idea for a show. Just in a few seconds, just please, if it's okay. <laughs> Have you heard from any they, of those cokeheads? No, and uh, no, I I went to my 10-year reunion and I I thought like, we're all adults now and I'm I'm not, I'm going to assume everybody was a, a struggling kid and that's why people were mean to each other. But some of the popular kids were still kind of shitty. And then I was like, I don't need to go back to that. It's, we don't have to, we don't have to try to be friends. You know, we're not enemies. Like I doubt any of them even remember being in high school with me. So I I doubt that number one, but, um, well, I just think every class, every school has assholes. That's how assholes are created. I mean, and the interesting thing in my high school, I went to school in Miami is that, their parents were all assholes. Like it was, you literally saw the pain be passed down from the generation above where they would come to these meetings and just be pieces of shit. And you're like, Oh my God, like I understand now how assholes are made. It's, and that's how they find each other when they fall in love. I'm like, Oh, assholes, they (laughs) gravitate. It's, I'm not even being funny. Like I, I feel like, Oh, it, it kind of clocks. A guy that I went to high school with is a, one of the most evil Trump appointed judges. And I, and he, I'm going to say something. I've talked to him before. I won't say his name. He's physically the most abhorrent looking person. And this isn't me shaming him. I want to shame him. He is, if you look, if you were to Google someone who, whose insights are so rotted, you know, physically mm-hmm. you're like, that's what that person would look like. And so it does, see, it all makes sense. Yeah. I think he does remember me. I don't know why I decided to be 
cruel to him right now. <laughs> he was a horrible person in high school is my point. He was an asshole then. He's an asshole now. And it's just, that's what happens. I don't think people change at that point. I think when you're a dick in high school, you've committed. Yeah. I mean, I think in order to change, you would have to go through a major life uh, crisis, which, yeah. you know, some people who drink and do drugs that I know who did in high school and talk about being assholes are like that crisis of addiction and the need to get sober rather than die. Like mm -hmm. those are the only choices at some point that can, you know, mature someone or give them empathy. But yeah, I do. I do want to say though, I was in drama junior and senior year and those kids were really fun and nice. And then there were a lot of smart, nice kids in my class, in the, you know, the class of 86, but they weren't hanging out doing cocaine with the popular crowd. They were just sweet, smart, nice yeah. kids. So it wasn't the whole class. It's just that one cluster. But it's the ones in people. a way you remember. Like, I feel like when you yeah. think back to... I actually, my high school experience was not bad. My middle school experience was high school. At that point, I had put up the funny front. Like I was already like in funny mode. So I was able to kind of protect myself and navigate the waters a little bit better, you know, but, right. um, but yeah, I mean, some nice guys still have friends from high school who I talked to, I think one, not to brag, but that's yeah. saying something. <laughs> some people have none, you know, some people just cut everyone yeah. off altogether. So did you start acting right after you graduated or how did the arts career kickoff? Well, so I was in the, um, one of the senior plays and oh. it was a comedy, a musical comedy, a bunch of sketches from different plays. Um, and it was so fun. Um, and then I, I took, I went to one day of acting class, my first year of community college. And it was that you had to be so uninhibited and like, mm. it was like the very first thing was like, okay, we're going to go around the room. Everybody introduce yourself and say something memorable so that at the end we all remember each other's names and people were being very extroverted. And I oh. was like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I, be yeah. I, I became an English major um, and then I, after two years of community college, went to university and, um, and just like alcohol, food, pot, they were, and, and clinical depression, they were all out of control. And so I finally, I just remember one day at that school thinking like, okay, I, I know I'm not going to make it through college what? And it, it had been a long time since I had felt happy. And I just thought like, what has ever made me happy? Hmm. And I remembered uh, the play in senior year of high school. And then I just thought, okay, then I'm going to try and be a comedian because that was so, that made me so happy. And that's the only thing I can think of that made me happy. So I'll try that. But then it was like, you know, it was years of going to an open mic, bombing, not going back for a year. It took me until I was almost 30 before I finally was like, I'm just going to go every week. Mm. And luckily there was a open mic in my neighborhood in West, uh, like 
Culver City-ish. That's where I met Zach. This was 98. So I met Zach and Tig and Maria Bamford and Jackie Cation and all these great comics. Um, and it was fun. So that's when I really started doing stand-up regularly and like really working on it. You have to meet a crew, I feel, in order to even have like the confidence. It's the one thing I think that will bring you back on stage is knowing that your friends are going to be there when you get there, because otherwise it can be very lonely. I think going into these clubs, I wonder also for you, like even traveling, I've never gone on the road because I think, um, I don't think I'd enjoy it. Like I don't love a motel, hate a bus. Like I don't love, you know, feeling judged. I'm a very uh, poor comedian in the sense that if people in the audience don't know me, I don't feel comfortable. I'm like, they have to know what they're getting into before I can really (laughs) like, which is a crazy, it really means that I'm not good at it because in order to, you know, getting up, they know me great. I can do my thing. But those sort of blind rooms where you just go and it's tourists sitting there and they're staring at you like, now what do you got? For me, that's, and I know that that's the fear that, in order to become super successful, you have to get over that fear because you're like, I'm fucking funny. I don't care what you think. That was always a struggle for me. I think when it came to doing stand up, I, I'm surprised. Well, first of all, I agree. The road is not enjoyable. And, um, but also I'm surprised that you don't think that you're a strong comedian. Cause when I saw you, you absolutely were. And you, I, I, but I'm not trying to. No, no, no. It's not even that. I'll tell you something funny, actually. At that, and I'm, my gift is always turning the conversation around to me. Welcome to the podcast, by the way. But I'll say this this is what I do. This is what I, I have so many friends, Martha. You have no idea. That, uh, when people say, oh, do you bomb? Or like, when was the last time you bomb? And I'm not even saying this to ask for compliments. But funny enough, at that Moon Tower show that we were at together, that for me was hell. And I remember I got up on stage and I was like, N- I, I thought I actually, for me, I bombed. Cause I was like, these people, no one here gets me. I had all these Texans looking at me. I was looking at them and I didn't feel like, cause I don't really prepare. My comedy is always like, I'm going to go with the flow and like work the room and be funny. And when I felt that wall, just for me, it was probably in my head more than actually happening. I was like, okay, I'm shutting down. And this is even talking about it. I almost feel anxious. It's like, there's, I mean, that's obviously in my head, but you know, I don't doubt my humor or my talent. It's more the, the having to convince people when, after I've done this for so long that I'm funny, like that sort of desperation, I think that personally bubbles up is such an uncomfortable feeling for me that I'm just like, okay, I, this isn't worth it. Like, I'm just gonna have a great night, you know? Yeah. Well, well, what I definitely remember you having a great set and thinking you were really funny. So thanks, Martha. That means a lot. You to know, me. thank you. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't I think we all tend to. Um, well, not all of us, some a few a handful of comedians here more laughter than there is. But most of us think we did worse than we did unless it's a hundred percent perfect. Right. The audience is like plugged into everything you say, anything short of that. Most comedians are like, I could have done better. That's a fact. Um, By the way, the ones who hear more laughter, 
I think are the ones who become the most successful because what I've discovered in this very toxic industry <laughs> where in Martha Kelly is that the powers that be don't actually care about what you're doing. Uh, like not in every case, but if you walk into right. a room, you're like, I'm fucking hilarious. Like everybody loves me. People are like, well, they, she must be funny. Like, okay, let's give her a show. She's great. Look at that confidence, that confidence, which I don't have. I do. And I don't, you know what? Who am I fooling? <laughs> I'm having a moment right now. This is, are we, is this better help? Did I sign up for an hour's worth of therapy right now? No, it's just that, you know, I'm self-deprecating people who don't do that. I find get further because they are able to convince executives that they have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I don't know. I do. And I think that you're right. Um, but there's also a very small subset of that, of people who they think they're pretty good when they literally bomb. And I don't, <laughs> I kind of wish, I wish, I wish everybody had uh, more confidence about that. But also I think anyone who's, who uh, is, I don't know. I shouldn't make any sweeping statements, but I totally sweep. relate. I also sweep. I love sweeping. I constantly <laughs> am sweeping things. Go on. Well, it's also like in, as far as like clubs and crowds that are tourists, it's like there for a long time, stand up comedy, the audiences were sort of trained to have this you better make me laugh attitude and so people with a lot of confidence could easily win them over um and I think people uh starting around the time of like I think the early 90s with like Janine Garofalo and uh, David Cross and Bob Odenkirk and all these Dana Gould like all these really smart great comics, they started, um, and Pat Oswald, like they started taking stand up in a direction where people came out specifically to see them. And so over time that I feel like now a lot of, maybe not in every club across the country, but in a lot of places, um, comedy audiences are like, they don't come in with a you better impress me attitude. They, especially younger people than Gen X are like, um, Hey, I like comedy. I wonder if this person's going to say something that surprises me, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I think that's gotten better over time because people like Maria Bamford and Patton Oswalt, um, they they built an audience for themselves. Doug Stanhope too. Mm. Um, people like that who just they built an audience without having a huge hit sitcom, and they just worked really hard for years and years, and now they can sell out like theaters. You know. Yeah. Uh, great segue into baskets, which. Is and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that is the show that, for me at least, put you on my map. I'm like, okay, who is this woman? She's absolutely hysterical. Like the breakout performance, would you say? Uh, I would not ever say anything complimentary about myself. Why well, I love you, but that's why we click because because with this, what sign are you, Martha Kelly? What astrological I'm sign? I'm a I'm a Pisces. Cancer. Okay, it all makes sense. We're emotional, watery. People who are sensitive. Uh, we have good hearts, but take everything personally. Am I wrong? 
I definitely take everything personally. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm in fights with 95% of the people, people I meet and they don't know, like they're just like existing, but I know. And that's really all that matters. But Baskets uh, was, you know, just one of the funniest shows really ever created. I didn't realize that you knew Zach for such a long time until frankly, just now when yeah. you mentioned that. Um, do you think he always kind of had that part in mind for you when he was working on the show? Well, I th- from from what I understand, what happened is um, when uh, Louis C.K.'s show was such a hit on FX, FX gave him a deal where he could produce three other shows with whoever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And so he approached Zach and said, hey, do you want to make a pilot for FX? Do you have any ideas? And so Zach had an idea of a... Um, rodeo cow a rodeo uh, clown who lived in a motel and had a personal assistant that he was a dick to uh-huh. <laughs> and so he called me out of the blue in 2014 Jan- I think January 2014 just out of the blue and said hey do you want to do this and my first response was like I I'm not an actor I I probably will just freeze in front of the camera. And he said, don't worry about it. I, you just have to act like you normally do. You don't have to. And I still was scared, but then I was like, you know, if you get on a TV show on a comedy in a supporting role, that can really help your stand up. Like that can make it so that you can tour as a headliner so that's initially why I did it. And I was scared and Zach was so sweet. And John Kreisel, our showrunner, was so, they were both so nice and gentle that that it made me not get fired right away. What does that feel like, <laughs> not getting fired? Walk me through that. I always get fired. <laughs> I've been fired from jobs, but so far not acting jobs, although there's been at least two that I won't name where I think they wanted to fire me. Um, not, yeah, a couple, but, um, your eyes just went off to a faraway place just in letting the listener know because they're not going to watch you. Uh, for the first time in this entire interview, you looked off to the other side of the screen and glazed. <laughs> Go on. I saw something change within. Anyway, continue. Uh-huh. Um, I remembered, I, still remember the morning that I drove into the dirt parking lot that was base camp for the pilot of baskets. I remember driving into that lot. I was so nervous. I was shaking and I thought I'm probably going to get fired today, but I know that I have to try it. It'll feel worse if I don't just try. And I know that Zach is a good person. So if he has to fire me, he will be nice about it. Hmm. <laughs> and that's sweet. Yeah. How I approached it. And then, but that, that pilot, the first day we shot scenes only with me and Zach and they, I think they scheduled it that way because they knew I was scared and that would be the least scary. Um, and then and then there's a stunt where I drive the car into the uh, scooter at the end. And um, we had to get it in one take and we did. And 
and everyone was really happy. And that's, that's all I want is for everyone to be like, you did it. So that experience was really fun. But then when it was months later that I, we found out it was going to get us a full season and then the entire first season, every time John and Zach had a sidebar between shots, I would think they're talking about which one of them is going to fire me. And they're <laughs> figuring out. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. I mean, but that's, I've been, that's nuts. But in a normal, now that I know you're a Pisces, makes sense. And I actually think having grown up in a home where, I was always like, I can't explain this. And I wonder if your parents are like this, but I was always told to not try like as a child, like try just enough. If you get instead of a hundred, if you get 70%, like just leave it, don't, don't push. <laughs> and I really think that's why I'm not actually a bigger deal because I'm like, I'm at 70%. What more could I ask for? Like that's plenty, you know? And I feel like that's, I'm, I don't even know how that relates to what you were saying, but just the um, paranoia of getting fired for me at least, yeah. pushes me to do better because you're just like, I'm going to convince them that this, it never works in my case, but <laughs> obviously it worked for you because you're phenomenal on the show. And how many, it went for how many seasons? Like, was it We like? had four. Wow. And uh, it was really sweet and fun to get to work on. And I have a question about Oprah, Martha Kelly. You have a special. <laughs> Are you a big Oprah person? You had your special on Comedy Central. Why do I feel like I am in Barbara Walters mode? Maybe because I have so much respect for you. I'm just like, no, Martha, I'm on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> like, I'm being so professional. Anyway, it's called I Miss When Oprah Was in Charge. That was your 2020 Comedy Central special. But were you an Oprah person? Because what happened to Oprah? I want to talk about what's with Oprah these days. I don't know. Um, I don't, my, I think that bit about Oprah is just because it does, it did seem like suburban white women have, uh, an energy source. They are a source of energy in this country. They definitely elected Trump in 2016. Yeah. They were a big part of why he won and a big part of why he lost in 2020. And it just seemed like Oprah, whether I agree with everything she ever says or does, it did seem like she sort of harnessed that energy and directed it away from um, the worst white white supremacist, um, ugly impulses. Hmm. And I'm not saying that that's true. That's just how it seemed to me. And that's why I wrote a bit about it, um, about her being in charge of, of, uh, suburban white women. White women. Yeah. Well, where is Oprah? And I feel like she interviewed Meghan Markle and that beautiful Montecito backyard great interview. She'll pop out here and there to do some things. She has her network, but I have to agree. I miss that daily Oprah afternoon hour. And there's no one on daytime yeah. right now who comes even up to her ankles, especially now that Wendy Williams it appears is done, which breaks my heart. Cause I actually love Wendy Williams, but I'm just like, as a daytime person. I loved game shows growing up. I loved watching Montel, Sylvia Brown, the psychic familiar with her. 
I think so. She has the cigarette but, voice. I have to send you some videos. You got to yeah. watch them. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable actress. Amazing improviser, Sylvia Brown. Everything is bullshit, but it's the Louis Anderson of the yeah. 80s. I'll say that when it comes to improvising. Just brilliant. Anyway, yeah. um, I, do, I do miss Oprah. And I feel like you really are right that there's nobody anchoring the, the stay-at-home moms right now. Kelly Clarkson, maybe, yeah. but it's not the same. You know, yeah, and I, I don't, I don't mean that Oprah was should have have had or does have that responsibility now. So I don't mean that it was only it wasn't only white suburban moms that she's popular with, but, um, but it is funny how many times episodes of her show made a whole a whole segment of America start repeating different kinds of psychological sayings and um, get into all these different trends. Mm. Uh, but and book also, clubs opening, you know, yeah. minds to other backgrounds and cultures and experiences, which now there's nobody, they're burning books now at this point. There's nothing, no one opening yeah. anyone's minds up. Yeah. Yeah. And it, for, she also, I think, kind of led the American culture into an era where where people revealed trauma. And there was a point in the 90s where I think people kind of went overboard into like recovered memories, which turned out to not always be a real thing. But But before that era in, I would say, the the late 80s through the 90s and early 2000s or before the late 80s when that started um people just never talked about abuse um it was always a secret and an isolating thing that that emotionally crippled people hmm. and she made it normal for people to talk about she talked about her own and so what all the traumatic stuff that she went through growing up for her to have become so successful and to try to add good to the world. I'm not saying Oprah or any billionaire is a saint. I'm not saying that, that she should have to be, she shouldn't have to be, but, but I do think she tries to add good to the world. Um, and that matters because right now there are people with, lots and lots of money and influence whose attitude seems to be, if I say this crazy stuff, I'm going to get money from people who buy it. I'm going to take advantage of them, not maybe uh, seeing through my charade. And I'm going to do that because I want more money. Like, I feel like that's happening a lot right now, you know? So it does matter. There's so, a, sorry. well, we're, we're existing in a time of like complete selfishness for the most part, except for maybe, um, Mackenzie Gates, who's the Bill Gates' ex-wife. It seems to be the only billionaire like donating money to anybody. It just feels like everyone, is that her name? feels like everybody is yeah. just in it for themselves. And I hope to be one of those people one day. I'm not going to lie. I'd love a little <laughs> money, Martha. I, I'm sick of, you know what I mean? Like I, I want to fly business and have a nice life for myself. <laughs> Let's end with the pet chat, which I have waited. I just, I feel like I deserve credit, even though we brought them up earlier <laughs> for not having brought the pets up until the end. The entire interview, I'm like, can't wait to talk about those pets. <laughs> your Twitter feed, 
I hate Twitter. I've decided to hate it. You're one of like three people who keeps me coming back because your pet content, <laughs> I believe some of the best there is. Um, uh-huh. I see Rose, Rosie is so sweet. Like I just want to pet her soft velveteen snout so badly. She's a big velvet donkey angel. She is so cute. And then the cats and Barry and Gary, they're just, do they get along? Like how did they come into your life? Yeah. Um, so Rosie, I got in 2012, I got her like a month, I think after my, my dog buddy died of cancer and, uh, no, thank you. Um, and then I, after a month, I was like, I have to have a dog. I can't not have a dog. So I um, looked at a lot of different shelter websites and uh, I was, I wanted a dog who liked, got along with other dogs, with cats and with people and kids. Uh, Cause my dog buddy was not, <laughs> Sometimes he didn't like people and other dogs and stuff. So uh, anyway, a woman was fostering Rosie in San Antonio and I lived in Austin at the time. So I drove down to meet her and was like, yeah, I got to have her. And then I only had one cat, an older cat named Marvin. Cute. Rosie loved Marvin. Uh, Marvin hated Rosie. Uh, (laughs) Marvin died a few years later from she was like 19. Wow. And then, uh, and then a couple, I had one, I got a kitten. He had feline leukemia, Henry. So he only lived for a year. Oh no. Rosie loved him. And so did I, he was a good guy. But then when he died was when I signed up to foster at Austin pets alive. And they called one day and said, we have two kittens. Can you come get them right now? I was like, sure. And then when are I there met siblings? them, are these are siblings here? No. According to Austin Pets Alive, they are, but they don't look anything alike. And I think there's a chance they were just two single orphan kittens that were about oh the God. same age, and they put them together. But they're they love each other, and uh, like where is that Pixar movie yeah. about the single orphan yeah. kittens? Because I'm my eyes are this is just like love <laughs> is blind Japan. Like I'm so <laughs> moved, and I love. I was just talking about. I heard the term foster fails, which I'd never heard that term before. Yeah. But where. And I don't understand how every foster, that's why I could never foster because I know that I would not be able to say goodbye. Like I am so clingy and especially you have a connection with a pet like that. How do you give them up? It's like they're part of the family. That's it. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, so full disclosure, I had no intention of ever giving them up. My, my intention (laughs) when I signed up was whatever kitten, or kittens they give me to foster will just be my cats. And yeah. so that's when I got them. And they and Rosie really loves kittens and was very Aww. good with them. So they're all buddies. They so. are watching. But, uh, you know, obviously, especially that Barry, that Barry's little face, that big old <laughs> fat cat cow body. I'm just in love. Like every I mean, Gary's adorable, but Barry really is the yeah. star. Just those chubby little hands. My fa- my parents had a cat who was also like my, you know, my cat by default, who passed away in September. Minky, who was like a morbidly mm-hmm. obese, a female orange 
Kitty. She was so big and so sweet. And I used to take her on helicopter rides around the apartment because my parents never picked her up. So when I came home, it was like Disneyland. Like I'd prop her up. She'd look out the window. Like she had no idea what was going on. She loved every second of it. And, um, but my mother, this is going to shock you, Martha, has a feeding problem, meaning she doesn't know when to say <laughs> when with people. So why my brother and I are not small and why the cat was genuinely like Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade sized. And she <laughs> got diabetes, uh, very sad, and then eventually, you know, passed uh, in September. Now they have a new kitten. And I'm just going to say something, and maybe this is a terrible thing to say, but my parents are 75 years old. They got this kitten, a little boy. And he is so energetic. He is, and I don't know why they got a little one when they themselves can barely move. And I'm just like, it's not a match. Like this cat is, uh, he's constantly biting them. He's so hyper. He's constantly running, breaking everything around the house. Like every wedding gift my parents got in the seventies broken, like you name it. And I think my mom, every time I talk to her, she's like, we're giving him back. And I get sad because I'm like, but why? You know, and she goes, we have, we can't deal with it anymore. And then she goes, well, we're going to think about it another day. <laughs> like This has been for three months. Like, all right, we'll give it another day and we'll think about it. But I'm not sure what's going to happen. It's very, um, it's tough because the last cat was the most mellow, chubby angel baby. And like now yeah. they have this little demon and he's not, he's like yeah. kind of weird looking too. Anyway. That's a, well, Henry, the feline leukemia kitten I had, he was an, he was an absolute maniac uh, when he was a kitten. And there's supposedly a thing called single kitten syndrome, where if they don't have other kittens to wrestle with, they just do all their play biting and scratching on humans Makes or sense. am I, yeah, they, Henry did that to me and to Rosie and, uh, and then for the short time that he was an adult, he was fantastic, but Aww. his kittenhood was really rough. And I, I definitely cried <laughs> more than once and was like that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> but it's just, uh, yeah. All right, but I'm going to pass the, it to my parents that maybe he'll mellow yeah. as he becomes an adult. Yeah. He, he will. Um, but Martha, here's what I will say. Like I, first of all, I'm so grateful to you for having come on the podcast because I, I screamed with joy when I saw you on Euphoria. I was like, oh my fucking God, Martha Kelly's on Euphoria. It's the most brilliant casting and you're so unbelievably good on it. Um, everybody wants a spinoff. I'm just going to put that in the universe. I think there needs to be a Lori spinoff. There I said it. If they can do one just like that, they can do a fucking and just like Lori. I mean, I think we can both agree. Um, so putting that in the universe, but if you're not already watching Euphoria, and if you haven't seen Baskets, my God, like where, what planet are people even living on? One of the funniest, hands down, best shows uh, in the same sense as a Hacks, actually. Like this just brilliant TV. So Martha, Thanks, it's been Michelle. a pleasure. And follow Martha if you don't, at Martha Kelly 3 on Twitter and at MKellyATX on Instagram. Am I missing anything to plug, to promote? No, I, I, uh, no, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you having me on and, uh, more Barry content is, oh. uh, will be on Twitter. Oh, so. I, I'm going to be retweeting all of it because I can't, <laughs> I genuinely can't get enough. It honestly, it is how I self-soothe. I'm not even just saying it to be nice. Like it is everything about your pets makes me happy. Um, Martha, it was such a pleasure and hopefully we'll uh, be in the same city again soon. We can hang out. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Would love it. So. Martha, thank you again. Okay. And guys, Thanks, have a great Michelle. week. We'll see you next week. Bye. 
Midnight Snack is an Earwolf production, executive produced by me, Michelle Collins. Our producer is Anita Flores, and our sound engineer is Sam Kiefer. Special thanks to my friend Dan Acton. You can listen to our ad-free episodes on Stitcher Premium. For a free one-month trial, use the code SNACK. Please rate and review Midnight Snack and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can follow us on Twitter at MNightSnackPod. That's M-N-I-G-H-T-S-N-A-C-K-P-O-D. I love spelling. Midnight Snackers, we would love to hear from you. Send us your feedback, questions, or topics we should chat about. You can leave us a voicemail on our party line at 331-901-0005 or drop us a line at midnightsnack at earwolf.com. For more of me, tune in to The Michelle Collins Show live weekday mornings from 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Radio Andy, Sirius XM 102, and on the Sirius XM app. You can also follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mishkoll, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. And that's the episode. We hope you loved it. Again, if you want to hear this show every single day, go to www.patreon.com slash mishcall, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. You can also follow me on Instagram, X, TikTok, all the things. Mishkal, M-I-C-H-C-O-L-L. I'm running myself into the ground for content and I want you to be a part of it. So we'll see you over there. And thanks again for joining us. Bye, guys.